0: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling, Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is
0: waiting for you with every sunrise.
1: As Jeremiah writes, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have what? Hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God. Your love and your mercy and your compassions, they're new every morning. This is
0: Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Lamentations. As Christians, we serve a God that calls us to live righteous lives. In Lamentations, you see from the reading that a life that is not right with God is distressed, tormented, and with no joy. Today, Pastor Gary will take you further into Lamentations to show you that despite what sins you may fall into, throughout the day, and how far you let yourself stray from God, He promises to forgive you and welcome you back. Every single morning, His mercy and grace to us is new, and waiting for us to accept it. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Lamentations, chapter 1. As he continues his message, every morning is another chance.
1: Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. And thank you, Lord, for your mercies that are new every morning. Your compassions, they fail not. Great is your faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and a heart that would receive what you would say to us today through the pages of this ancient book. Lord, thank you for your love for us and thank you for how you died for us and thank you how you are so compassionate and merciful toward us. May we learn of it today, Lord, or may we be reminded of it as we study through this book today. And we're grateful in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Jewish people today will read the book of Lamentations on what is called on the Jewish calendar the 9th of Av. The month of Av corresponds to our month of August. The reason they read Lamentations on the 9th of Av is because that's the day when the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., and so the Jewish people never want to forget, and in memoriam to the people and the events of that day, they will read Lamentations, the whole book, only five chapters, on the 9th of Av. But in a Jewish Bible, it is not called Lamentations. In a Jewish Bible, this book is called Echa. And Echa translates how. One single word, how. If you translate the name of this book in a Jewish Bible, it just simply says how, Echa. And the reason why the Jewish people named this book Echa, or how, is because chapters 1, 2, and 4... All begin with that word. If you look at your Bible, do a quick survey with me. Chapter 1, verse 1 here of Lamentations. How? First word of the first verse of the first chapter. How deserted lies the city once so full of people? How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations? Look at chapter 2, verse 1. How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with the cloud of his anger. And then chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. How the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold become dull. The sacred gems are scattered at the head of every street. How the precious sons of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. And so the word that hangs over the book of Lamentations is how, echah. And it's not... A word that begs a question, it's a word that makes an observation. Uh, Jeremiah is making the observation with the word how, basically saying how terrible things have gotten for the Jewish people. How the splendor of the city has vanished. How the strength of the nation has crumbled. How even the sanity of the people has evaporated. You remember when we were studying through the book of Jeremiah, and again, this is a companion book to Jeremiah, it's basically an epilogue to the book of Jeremiah, but you remember when we were back in Jeremiah that we talked about how the Babylonians engaged in a common ancient warfare called siege warfare, which was basically when an army came against a fortified city, the army attacking that fortified city would encamp around it and then just wait to see who could withstand the longest before you ran out of food and water. And within the city of Jerusalem, they had a supply of water, thanks to King Hezekiah, who brought the Gihon Spring into the city underneath the walls. But food supply was limited. The book of Jeremiah chapter 39 tells us that the siege went on with the Babylonians for 18 months, hemming in the Jewish people within the city of Jerusalem. So again, the only way that you would win in siege warfare is who could withstand the longest, had the greatest food supply. If you had the greatest food supply inside the city then eventually the army, as they ran out of supplies, the attacking army, they would just leave. They'd give up. But on the other end, if within the city, because food supplies and shipments and any kind of inventory would not be replenished because the attacking army has cut off all supplies coming into the city, if you ran out of food, you'd give up and surrender. That was siege warfare. Jeremiah 39 says that for 18 months, the Babylonians held the Jewish people as prisoners within their own city until they ran out of food. And then the people of Jerusalem do the unthinkable. And Jeremiah records it in chapter 4, verse 10. Look in your Bibles at chapter 4, verse 10. After 18 long months and the food supply now depleted, Lamentations 4, verse 10 gives us a picture of just how low the conditions had sunk. Lamentations 4, 10 says, "...with their own hands, compassionate women..." have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. It's a terrible image, but we need to understand the environment, the situation, the circumstances surrounding all of this. You get the idea of why the Jews named this book, How, because it's about how terrible and how unimaginable things got for the Jewish people when the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem. And the sad truth is, it didn't have to get this bad. If the Babylonians had heeded the warnings of Jeremiah and the other prophets, they would have been spared all of this devastation, all of this destruction. But in rebellion against God, the Jewish people decided we like our idols, we like our lives without God. And so they continued to live this way year after year after year until eventually it caught up with them. And so in addition to the word how, we need to ask the question with the word why. Why did this happen? And there's no mystery to this. The answer to why all this happened, all this terrible devastation and destruction, is because, again, the Jewish people brought it on themselves as a result of their sin, their disobedience to God. It's given to us over and over again through this short little letter. You don't need to turn there, but I'll quote Lamentations 1.5. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Lamentations 1.22. You have dealt with me because of all my sins. Lamentations 3.39. Why should any living man complain when punished for his sins? Friends, we need to understand there are consequences from sin sometimes devastating consequences. And Lamentations is a book that serves to be a reminder for us that sin carries with it a heavy weight, a heavy weight of sorrow and grief and shame and misery. Oh, it may not be immediate. It wasn't immediate with the Jewish people. They managed to get away with their sin for 40 long years while they continued to turn a deaf ear to Jeremiah. For 40 years, he kept preaching to them, warning to them, telling them what was going to happen if they didn't turn. And so, immediately they didn't experience the misery and the devastation and the heavy consequences and the sorrow, but eventually, which is true for all of us, all of us will eventually experience the devastation of our sin if we don't get right with God. That's what this book should remind us about. Eventually, the consequences of sin catch up with us. We may not experience it at the moment, but eventually, it always catches up with us. This is Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We will end up feeling and experiencing some measure of consequence for our sins if we don't turn to God. We can only sin against God for so long before we become completely miserable in our sin. We read, for example, here in Lamentations 1, verse 20. He says, See, O Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within And in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Now, Jeremiah is not writing for himself. He's writing in the first person because he's feeling on behalf of the Jewish people, his own people. He was a righteous man, a righteous prophet. But he's writing here in terms of this is how it feels when you are distant from God, when you're not right with God. It's devastating. It causes distress. He says, I'm tormented within. My heart is disturbed. We also read in chapter 5. Verses 15 and 16, joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. And this is the description of a life that is not right with God. Distressed, tormented in your heart. The joy is gone because sin has taken its toll. And if you can relate to some of that, if you're here today and you're like, yeah, I get that. You'd be honest with yourself and with God and say, you know, I'm not right with God. And as a result, my heart's heavy. My life's a mess. I'm feeling distressed. I'm feeling like there's no real joy in my life. I want you to listen today. I want you to understand the scene that is happening here because this scene that is playing out 2,600 years ago is the same scene that plays out in human lives today. When you're not right with God... You feel it, don't you? It doesn't feel good. And yet, in the middle of all of this, and you should go home and read if you really want some heaviness. You can go home and read all five chapters to really get the idea of just the weight of this, the sorrow, the devastation, the destruction, because in the middle of all of that is chapter 3, where there's this insertion intentionally to remind us about God's compassion, love, mercy and faithfulness. Go back to chapter 3, because I want you to notice right in the middle of this book, I mean exactly in the middle, there's two chapters and a half in front of it, two chapters and a half behind it. You have here in chapter 3 of Lamentation from verses 19 through 24, you have right in the middle of this misery, this message of hope. Now, Jeremiah first describes how bitter life is without God before he gets to the hopeful part. So don't check out. We're going to get to the hopeful part. But I first need you to see verses 19 and 20 with me. So in chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, this is what he writes. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Now, again, it's not that Jeremiah is sinning. He's a prophet who's righteous, but he writes in the first person for those who are not right with God and who feel the misery of their situation. And one of the first things he says here in verse 19, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering. I remember my affliction and my wandering. When you're not right with God, you feel afflicted in your soul, don't you? There's this affliction that you can just feel down deep, like something's not right, like you feel ill. And he adds there, I remember my affliction and my wandering. It's very interesting. You can start to feel like you're just wandering aimlessly without direction or purpose when you're distant from God. When you're not right with God, just everything is off kilter. And you don't even feel like you have direction and clarity and like you're just wandering. And people who are very successful without Christ can describe their lives this way, too. I remember reading once a quote from Simon Cowell, who's well-known for American Idol, X Factor, record executive, television producer, worth a few hundred millions of dollars, and makes no profession of faith in Christ. And I lifted this quote, he said one time, quote, I get very dark moods for no reason. I'm just a wandering asteroid. Listen to that language. I'm just a wandering asteroid. Asteroid without a home. I get to points in my life where I sometimes think I'm never going to be happy. End quote. This is a life that is distant from God. I remember my affliction and my wandering. And then he also says there in verse 19, and I remember the bitterness and the gall. These are basically two words expressing the same feeling because gall is a plant from which is derived bitterness. And so it's bitterness upon bitterness here. He's saying that sin makes us sour because we become bitter about life, bitter about people, bitter about God. When things don't go well for us because we're distant from God, we can tend to be bitter when we live in disobedience to God. It produces this sourness in our heart. Jeremiah writes about it. I remember my bitterness and the gall. And in verse 20, he says, and my soul is downcast within me. Sin can take a person to a very dark place. It can be very gloomy and very dark when you're disobedient to God. Because the natural result of sin is guilt. And the natural result of guilt is shame. And the natural result of shame is feeling downcast and depressed. And in addition, when you start to withdraw from God because you're disobedient to him, You can begin to feel an isolation of the soul, and great loneliness kicks in on top of the downcast, discouragement, depression that you might feel. This is the nature of sin. And then here's what people typically do. Because they're in disobedience to God, instead of doing what could be the remedy to it all, getting right with God, confessing your sin, receiving His forgiveness, here's what people tend to do. They don't like feeling discouraged, downcast, or depressed, so they just start to self-medicate. They just start to self-medicate, a little bit of weed, a couple of drinks. It's only to unwind. It's all good. But no, in the end, it just leads to a vicious cycle of trying to numb the pain. But it never really cures the condition of why, in the first place, you feel so downcast. Because that's the nature of sin that is unrepented, And when you don't get right with God, it becomes this heaviness, this dark place, this gloominess. And let me just say to you, if you can relate to anything I'm saying here this morning, if this describes you in the least little bit... I want you to listen very carefully to the next part of this passage. Verses 21 through 23. As Jeremiah writes, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have what? Hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God, your love and your mercy and your compassion. They're new every morning here in the midst of all the affliction and wandering and bitterness and gall and a downcast soul caused by sin. Jeremiah writes here how he clings to the character of God. He appeals to the mercy of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the faithfulness of God. And there is a God who is full of compassion, love and mercy, who is faithful to us and who will meet us in that darkest place where sin takes us. This is the hope right in the middle of all this gloom and doom, of all this sorrow and destruction as the result of sin. God just explodes off the pages of Lamentations chapter three through the pen of Jeremiah. He says, I want you to know that in the midst of all of this mess and even cannibalism and just the horror of what happens when people just take a nosedive because of sin and disobedience to God. God shows up and in his mercy and in his compassion, he is faithful and it's new every single morning. This is our hope. (laughs) Amen. This is our hope. He emphasizes three aspects of the character and nature of God as our hope. The first is God's great love. Now, some of your Bibles translate love as mercy. It's the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed is often translated mercy, so it can be used interchangeably. Love, mercy, kindness. That's what chesed can mean. And the first thing he notes here is God's great love for us. God is a loving, merciful God. In Psalm 103, 10-11, aren't you glad about this? It says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. God's love is great for us. It is immeasurable for us. He is a loving, merciful God, abounding in love. And then He emphasizes here also God's great compassion. God is a compassionate God. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God is a compassionate God. David, when he sinned, committing adultery with Bathsheba, then he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. After David humbled himself, he wrote Psalm 51. And one of the first things he appeals to with God is God's mercy and then God's compassion. Listen to Psalm 51 verses 1 and 2. David cries out, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Because of God's great love, his mercy, because of God's great compassion, this is our hope. And then Jeremiah also adds here as part of this verse, God's great faithfulness. The Bible tells us in Psalm 145 verse 13 that the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. And in Psalm 36, verse 5, it says, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. In other words, David was writing there saying, God's faithfulness is immeasurable. It's boundless. You can't contain it. He is faithful to us in ways we don't deserve it. But He is faithful in all His ways concerning us. And then, check this out. Don't miss this part of verse 23, because it's the most important part to all of this, where Jeremiah emphasizes that all these things... Meaning is love, his mercy, his compassion, and faithfulness. They are new every single morning. Every single morning. When you got up today, there was a whole new fresh batch of God's love, mercy, compassion, and faithfulness for you. Every single morning of your day. It's enough to make you want to get up every day because when you think about what yesterday was well praise God at least tomorrow I'm going to get a new batch of his faithfulness and his love and his mercy so I'm going to wake up in the morning thankful oh David would write in Psalm 143 verse 8 let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love friends this is the character nature of our God he is compassionate he is merciful He is compassionate. His compassion never fails. Great is His faithfulness. And some of you need to receive this today. Because you've been carrying around a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. Your soul is downcast. You would describe yourself perhaps similarly, that there's been a bitterness of your soul. You feel afflicted. You know you're not right with God. This is the nature of sin. But here's the good news in the midst of all of this that is extended even unto us today out of the pages of Lamentations chapter 3. God's mercy and His compassion, they never fail. Great is His faithfulness. And today is a new day for you to receive that mercy, love, and compassion from God. You say, well, Pastor Gary, you don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I did last year. I don't need to know. His mercies and compassion and faithfulness are new every single morning. Every single morning. You say, yeah, but I did something 20, 30 years ago. Nobody even knows about. It's okay. His mercies are new every single morning. Today is a new day for you to receive His compassion, His love, and His mercy.
0: An Thanks for joining Pastor Gary Hamrick for this study in the Book of Lamentations, This short text offers a glimpse into the deep sorrow that comes from sin, especially when the consequences of that sin cause distress and heartache. Pastor Gary has been reminding you that there is hope, however. Sin isn't the final word in your life. There is a solution, and it's found in the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth to redeem all who walked upon it, both then and now. He paid the price for sin and is offering his life in your place today, too. Are you ready to turn to Christ and have your sins forgiven? We'd like to point you to our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. There, you'll find a page under the Grow tab called How to Get to Heaven, and you'll be able to hear Pastor Gary explain the process to you step by step. We're so excited you're making this decision we love to hear from you and pray for you. Give us a call at 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. If you'd like to listen to Pastor Gary's teaching again or explore other messages from God's Word, just visit the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app to take these lessons on the go. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection.